0: Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the
1: news and topics that affect your life.
2: Lent is almost here. How are you preparing for this holy season? Thinking of giving something up? Take a couple tips from Mother Angelica. She said, whatever you do this Lent, whatever suffering you endure, do it for Jesus and do it cheerfully. Today, we prepare for the Lenten season with Franciscan missionary of the eternal word, Father Joseph Mary. Then, we turn to the news. Last fall, St. Mary's College in Notre Dame, Indiana, historically a school for undergraduate women, had decided to accept men who identified as as women. The school reversed course after blowback, but trust has been broken. We hear about those concerns at St. Mary's from Jonathan Liedel our Senior Editor at the Register. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and Catholic News Agency. I'm your host here on Register Radio. I'm joined by Matthew Bunsen, my co-host, who is EWTN News' Vice President and Editorial Director. Hi, Matthew. Hello. Great to be with you. You too. It's good to be thinking about Lent, uh, preparing for it. I'm in Louisiana, and we have Mardi Gras this weekend. and. Uh, lots of focus elsewhere, uh, but I think it's always important to be prepared for such a holy season. And I'll and, state
1: uh, uh, the obvious, too, that, uh, boy, it just feels like we celebrated Christmas.
2: Exactly. It, <laughs> it's very early this year, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still putting away Christmas stuff, so I, I feel <laughs> exactly. I feel you. <laughs> today we have uh, Father Joseph Mary Wolfe, who's the chaplain of EWTN. Um, he is one of the founding members of the men's community founded by Mother Angelica, the Franciscan missionaries of the eternal word. And we're so grateful to have him with us today. Father Joseph Mary, thanks for taking the time to be with
1: us. And good to be with you, Jeanette.
2: So, for Christians, Lent is, of course, this 40 day period leading up to Easter. As Catholics were taught, it's a time of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving or charity. Uh, But it's easy to recite those basic definitions uh, of what Lent is and then to give up chocolate (laughs) or coffee or whatever it is. It's not Mm -hmm. easy for me to give up uh, coffee, but but really, I want to kind of get to the heart of it. Why Mm -hmm. Lent? Uh, Why do we actually do this? What is the purpose, the true
1: purpose? Right. So the whole goal is, right, deeper union with God. And so the church... Thankfully, as a mother knows that we need to refocus our attention every year. Mm-hmm. And so we, we as a church, go on retreat together. And it's always easier, isn't it, for us to refocus our the lens of our lives with others and to be together in the these practices of wanting to deepen our union with God and to remove any obstacles that stand in the way. And that's why we always begin on Ash Wednesday, reminding ourselves, being reminded of our mortality, but also the need for prayer, for charity, and for some sacrifice in our lives.
2: Absolutely. You mentioned Ash Wednesday, and that is coming so quickly. We go and we we get ashes on our forehead, Um, you know, from dust you came, from dust you will return, and... As I Mm -hmm. prepared for this show, I watched a few of Mother Angelica's, uh, uh, Mother Angelica Live classic, you know, and and some of her reflections on Ash Wednesday and on Lent, and she had this one one quip, because she's so witty, and she said, the days pass quickly, don't you think? One day it won't be ashes on our head, it'll be ashes in the box.
1: That's right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's right. She's always getting down to the nitty-gritty of life, you know, and she's very practical, too. And so for Mother, it was primarily, I think, interior mortifications, because Mm -hmm. I think she experienced in religious life that those who are especially Um, you know, ascetical could often be more of a penance to others than they were suffering themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so we do need to have that element of some sacrifice in our life. But for mother, it was more of this interior mortification. So for example, um, She would say, maybe there's someone you'd like to, as she would put it, slip on a banana peel. You know, because (laughs) (laughs) you have something, you know, in the past about them. And instead of giving into feelings of anger, resentment, and having a three-act play in your head about what happened and how you were hurt and offended, you're instead, you're going to put all that aside. You're going to pray for that person. You're going to practice charity toward that person. Somebody insults you, you're going to respond charitably rather than with an insult in return. And so it's like growing in virtue, putting to death that old man in ourselves that is a, a vice, you know, is filled with vice and putting on instead a life of virtue.
2: And that's right. She she seemed to be saying you don't have to look very far to find penance. You know mm-hmm. that penance is is the opportunity for penance is all around us and in, in our lives from, you know, the moment your alarm clock goes off in the morning and, uh, and she talks about how she just, do you ever wish the person who invented this just didn't,
1: you know, just didn't
2: invent the thing? You just want to throw it away. Uh, you know, and, and she's, she looked, you know, she's kind of pointing to every opportunity that we have in our day. Um, to turn an irritation into an offering um, to, to Jesus. And as I said in the introduction, she, she made that point. We can give things up. Uh, mm-hmm. we, can, we can give them up for the wrong motivation, the wrong reason. And, and she said what we need to do is, is really make sure the reason is Jesus, is to grow closer to him.
1: And we can transform actually the sacrifices and sufferings of our life into an act of love. That's really what the children of Fatima were taught to, I offer this to you, Lord Jesus, for love of you and for the conversion of sinners. And so my question would be for all of us as we're entering into Lent, what sacrifice related to your vocation as wife, mother, father, husband, priest, religious, is the most painful to you? Mm -hmm. What's the most irksome to you as an element of living out your vocation? And every time you feel the pinch of that, offer it with love, love for Jesus who suffered for love of you love for the for souls, for the conversion of sinners. Make an offering of that with love. You know, Mother said that often the Lord gave her her penance. And I remember one time she began Lent and she broke her wrist. Mm. And that was like one of the most painful things that she had ever suffered. She had these rods coming out of her, her wrist to hold everything together. But she learned, she said, I know the Lord's up to something. He's going to do something big for the network. So she could offer that for souls. She could offer that for love of Jesus, who suffered for love of her. Yeah, Father, the, there was also with
0: Mother this understanding of the human person, uh, the personality of people, our weaknesses, our failings. I, I love the idea of giving up temper rather than giving up candy and giving <laughs> up gossip. I mean, she seemed to understand us remarkably well. <laughs>
1: She really did she she really understood it because she had gone through so much and i think that's what made her such a powerful communicator father benedict rochelle said she was the most uh, articulate and effective communicator he'd ever met and that's quite a compliment from him you know and it was because she had endured and suffered so much herself in so many ways with the divorce of her parents with growing up in poverty with the physical pains that she had, that she said this kept her dependent on God, these different sorts of sufferings, and she could speak with compassion to others in their own struggles, right, to just persevere and to do it cheerfully, as Mother would say, let's offer it cheerfully
2: absolutely so every lent our holy father uh, pope francis and all the all of our popes have offered a, a lenten reflection a theme that comes out before lent uh this year um, pope francis uh offered the lenten 2024 reflection in catholic news agency Uh, covered that Uh, they had a story called Lent is a season of conversion a time of freedom and this Lenten reflection is a reflection of the book on the book of Exodus and it's about um, uh, through the desert God leads us to freedom it's a time um, for us to the Pope reflects on it as being a time to pause right to pause in our very very busy lives for prayer um, for assistance this is the charity um, to our brothers and sisters in need and, and he really asks us to reflect on um, where are those areas of our lives where we uh, fall into slavery um, mm. s- slavery of, of um, sinfulness of, of bad habits um, of of distraction particularly he talks about just being distracted and unaware of the people around us So I want to call our attention to as you said in the beginning we do this together as a community mm-hmm. with the whole church and, and so it's good to reflect on what the Holy Father has asked us to reflect upon
1: yeah when you think about him speaking about Exodus I would also like to suggest another penitential practice of pilgrimage during this year and during the season of Lent It's the time of the Eucharistic revival. And a pilgrimage was a traditional way also to return to the Lord, to go to a holy place. And there's always graces that are received. And so you think of the Via, right? The way of St. James in Europe. And for centuries, people would walk days, weeks, or even months to St. James of Compostello. And so maybe this year, especially for those who may be in the Alabama area or even want to travel farther, come to the Shrine of the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. Come during the season of Lent. We're actually on March 9th having a wonderful event on the Shroud of Turin with talks and a healing service. And you can find things about that on the Shrine website. And uh, a pilgrimage, again, it's, it's a way in which you're putting away the old old man and putting on the new man Made in the image of Christ.
2: Absolutely, and Father Joseph, you have also given some Lenten reflections that we can can watch at EWTN um, as mm-hmm. uh, throughout Lent. Uh, there's an ebook, and and right now we're talking in the in the weekend before Lent, but uh, there's going to be plenty this week as Ash Wednesday approaches at EWTN.com and at ncregister.com that can help us uh, to begin to prepare, uh, to find uh, uh, opportunities um, to spend uh, some thoughtfulness and prayerfulness uh, on our Lord and how our hearts can can be more united with him and it has to be intentional and um, i'm looking at ewtn.com right now and i see your face there there's already an ad that can help people get uh, attached and and connected um, to uh, to this these lenten observances do you have any final thoughts for us as we as we begin uh, this journey
1: well it's all depending on god right (laughs) and he is the primarily one, primary one who is leading us to union with himself. So we're seeking the Lord's grace and it is a graced time, the season of Lent and to take advantage of it. And so to take advantage of those traditional practices of prayer, some sacrifice, charity toward others and pilgrimage. These can be wonderful ways that will enrich our life with the Lord as he leads us closer to himself.
2: Well, thank you so much, Father Joseph, Mary. We always appreciate your wisdom and also sharing uh, those reflections and memories of Mother Angelica.
1: Always good to be with you, Jeanette.
2: When we come back, we'll talk about the controversy surrounding a proposal to accept students who identify as transgender at St. Mary's College in Indiana. Register Senior Editor Jonathan Liedel brings us the news and analysis. This is Register Radio and EWTN. We ask you to stay tuned
1: for more. Archbishop Cordelione talks about the National Catholic Register. The Register's content is so critically important in the society we're living in now. There's an absence of the practice of religion in public life. So all the more important is it for people to be reading the Register so that they can acquire more understanding of our Catholic faith. I've appreciated the catechetical benefits of the content of the Register. It presents very clear Catholic teaching in a way that is easily digestible. To get half off your subscription, order online at ncregister.com forward slash register. Radio or call 800 421 3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800 421 3230 and mention code radio. Call or click today to save 50%. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully.
0: Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN.
2: Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and Catholic News Agency. And I'm here together with EWTN News Vice President and Editorial Director Matthew Bunsen. So we're talking about St. Mary's College in Indiana. This is the all-girls school uh, known for its proximity to University of Notre Dame. And it's been in the spotlight for its attempt to quietly allow biological men who identify as women, so so-called transgender students, into the school. And uh, this obviously upset um, some students and faculty and alumni. Uh, and they expressed their disapproval in various ways. And this uh, policy or uh, was reversed. But really, many questions still remain about the Catholic identity of St. Mary's and its future. Jonathan Lidl, who is an alumnus of University of Notre Dame, reported on this controversy and he joins us now. Hi Jonathan.
0: Good to be with you both.
2: So the facts first. I gave a little, a high-level overview of what happened, but can you give us more detail about how this policy came to be and then how it was reversed? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So kind of the from the news angle, things broke back in November when it became public uh, that, as you said, Saint Mary's uh, College had actually changed its uh, non-discrimination policy to allow for the admission, um, it said, of women and those who identify and consistently live as women, which is, as you mentioned, is kind of code word for biological men, um, you know, who identify as women. Um, but part of what was so controversial about this wasn't just the change in policy, which, of course, is controversial in its own right, but, but is the fact that it was actually made by the Board of Trustees over the summer, back in June. They had decided to make this change. It hadn't been publicized. And, in fact, it only came to light because a student worker in admissions, Macy Gunnell, who we spoke to, um, she, she went to the press with it. Uh, first to Notre Dame's uh, and St. Mary's campus newspaper, The Observer, and then it uh, was covered not only in Catholic media, but conservative media um, across the country. So really, I, I think from many of the um, alumni uh, and the, the students and parents and faculty who are concerned, a big part of it um, isn't just, it's the change in policy, but it's the fact that the administration tried tried to sneak it through. And so there was a significant outcry um, after that November uh, 21st uh, policy came to light, um, and including uh, from the bishop, Bishop Kevin Rhodes of the Diocese of Fort Wayne in South Bend. He wrote on November 27th a pretty critical um, letter. He said, you know, the the problem here at St. Mary's College isn't that they're trying to be hospitable to people. That's good. We want people to be hospitable. The problem is that they have... You know a definition of of women, right? That isn't Catholic. It isn't consistent with being a Catholic college. Um, he actually met also with the president, uh, President President Katie Conboy, multiple times, and on December 21st, so a month after this policy came to light, uh, it was actually rescinded. It was actually uh, kind of put on hold or or, or done away with by uh, by Saint Mary's College. But the, the as as people we spoke to said. Ah, uh, you know, trust has been broken, right? This right. was something that uh, that they tried to sneak through, and so, you know, a lot of a lot of people I spoke with um, said, "Well, uh, we think it might happen again." So, but one one interesting thing is that it has increased. I think organization and vigilance uh, of right. concerns at St. Mary. So that's something significant to to watch oh. going on. But, yeah,
2: I want to go back to um, the point. It, the policy was decided during the summer by the Board of Trustees, or at least they approved it during the summer. It didn't originate from someone requesting, you know, a biological man, a, a so called transgender student wanting to get into the school?
0: Uh, that's never been uh, confirmed. I haven't heard that. I mean, I think if, it, you know, it might simply be the fact that St. Mary's College, like so many other mid sized Catholic liberal arts uh, colleges, uh, right now is, is struggling for admissions, right? It's struggling yeah. financially. It's struggling in a lot of ways. Uh, it's uh, a- Admissions is down to 1,400, right? The, the current student body, undergrad pop is for- 1,400, which is the lowest it's been. And so, you know, uh, President Conboy came in in 2020 and with a mission of, hey, how do we uh, become relevant, right? How do we right. uh, fit in? Um, she issued a strategic plan in 2021 called Revere, And revise, right? That was this blueprint for how St. Mary's College is going to transform and how it's going to be relevant. So, you know, I think um, possibly that could have been uh, an event that triggered it or something like that. But I think this is actually just consistent with where Catholic women's colleges are going. Uh, yeah, in the US. and
2: that's the that's the troubling part. It, I mean, it doesn't. We don't. We haven't heard that this was triggered by a, a student um, or, or somebody requesting entrance, but it it seems to be triggered by a program, uh, an agenda. <laughs> and you know, uh, you wrote in in your story uh, that um, Convoys, uh, the president's uh, vision is you know that St. Mary should be invigorated uh, by difference. That's a quote: invigorated by difference. You know, and. And that's uh while you know Bishop Rhodes is absolutely right, we should um be pastoral um and, and we should uh, welcome all to to the church to jesus uh, right but it doesn't mean that we accept all without um discretion and and so this is this is a troubling <laughs> a troubling agenda, and it's good to hear of the school um uh, people at the school, people connected to the school, alumni um, pushing back. <laughs> I want to yeah. refer to your story. Uh, it's it's titled "Trust Has Been Broken After Trans Policy Fallout Controversy Still Simmers at Saint Mary's College." So you can find that at ncregister.com, written by Jonathan leedle, who we're talking to. And I I do want to raise the question that that Catholic you, you mentioned Catholic colleges. Um, uh, and particularly women's colleges are sort of going this direction. What do we know about other, other policies at other schools?
0: Yeah, so we know that there are nine total uh, Catholic women's colleges in the U.S. One of them, though, is just for women's religious, right? So we'll kind of leave that one aside a bit. So if you look at the remaining eight, already five of them on their websites, easily identifiable, say that they admit um, basically biological men who identify as women. Uh, they admit women and, and those who, you know, and transgender women, right. Or those who identify as women. So that's, that's, uh, almost all right of the Catholic women's colleges in the U S. Um, two of them are in Milwaukee. One of them is in Los Angeles. One of them is in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, the other is in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Um, and the remaining, so that's, we said eight, there are five on the websites. Uh, there are two more other than St. Mary's, and uh, according to some reports, they they admit transgender women in in other people, men who identify as women, um, uh, in in other capacities uh, in their programs as well. So it, it's across the board, right? I mean, and the the wild thing is, right? I mean, St. Mary's College is there. All this the, this fear this fear has been caused, right? But. The President Conboy, when when there was first all this criticism in November, she said, "Look, we're just doing what our peer institutions are doing," and she's right about that. Right, the yeah. fact that this this has happened at these other places without outcry. Um, I think you know it, we're obviously doing um, the Register is doing some reporting into this to find out the story of those schools and how it came to be and how the local bishop, um, you know, why the local bishops didn't respond in the way that Bishop Rhodes did. But keep in mind, Bishop Rhodes only responded to this, only was able to weigh in and likely uh, stop this policy from going through because it was leaked to him or it was leaked by a student worker in the admissions office. So it's something that, um, yeah, is clearly, uh, you know, there there were rumors, allegations that we couldn't confirm that that some of these changes are tied to receiving federal money or being able to participate in federal programs like the Common Application. Uh, We couldn't confirm those, but um there 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 is a sense uh you know among among people in higher ed um especially if they don't necessarily have a deep grounding in the catholic faith um you know that we need to make this change right to to fit in and i think on this issue on st mary's college um you know people told me this isn't just undermining st mary's catholic identity it's undermining st mary's identity as a women's college um right some of, <laughs> right i mean that's so that and also uh, st mary's is a as a college is a collegial place to have a decision like this made, kind of in the shadows. Um, so, but there has been uh, significant uh, backlash against it, which I think is important to point out. Yeah, and Jonathan, do we have any idea of uh, the numbers involved uh, at these other women's colleges? How many? In terms of how many actual trans students or applicants who identify as women a were admitted, and b
1: are currently there.
0: Yeah, we don't we're, – we're looking into that right now. So the registers is doing – you know, the St. Mary's story has kind of triggered that that deeper dive mm-hmm. into uh, asking those questions and answering them. So we don't know for sure. We do know at St. Mary's College that if, uh, if there had not been a change in policy, um, if they hadn't gone back on the change in policy in December, um, that the, the fall 2024 class for the St. Mary's College Bells could have included – uh, biological men identifying as as women. So it, it could have been there at these other schools. Their policies have been in place longer. So it very well uh, may be a reality. Uh, we'll find out um, uh, for sure. But I mean, I, what, yeah, one thing to highlight at St. Mary's College, you've mentioned it, but, um, you know, people did tell me the silver lining of this is that uh, it's almost like a sleeping sleeping giant was awoken, right, by this this policy attempting to be crammed through. And you have... Uh, this network of alumni, of parents, uh, some faculty, some students who, you know, it was, it, someone described it to me as kind of like a frog slowly cooking in a pot, right? Like there have been different changes at St. Mary's College uh, under President Convoy and even before. And uh, the launch of an LGBTQ plus center a couple of years ago, bringing in Father Daniel Horner, a very controversial. Franciscan priest as the director of, of the Spirituality Center. But this policy, this trans policy, was kind of like, instead of the frog simmering, suddenly the frogs like dumped into boiling water. And people kind of woke up and people said, whoa, what's happening at St. Mary's College? If it can do this, if it can make this change, what? how is it really being guided by its Catholic identity? Um, but we're seeing a response to it. Uh, and so uh, the the hope is that this might be an opportunity for some good changes to actually happen uh, at Absolutely. St. Mary's College
2: Yeah, Jonathan, thank you for your reporting and also for your analysis here and we'll look forward to that other reporting from you and Matthew McDonald and I invite our listeners to go to ncregister.com where you can find more news, analysis, and commentary thank you for joining us here on Register Radio, on EWTN together with Matthew Bunsen and, and my producer, Michael McCall I am Jeanette DeBello and until next week, I pray that God bless you